What's going on, Headliner Nation? It's just a quick reminder, if you dig the podcast, please take two seconds out of your day to leave us a five-star review. It helps us grow the show to a wider audience so we can continue to bring the football knowledge to the masses. We truly appreciate all the support. Thank you so much for your loyalty. I'm a Here we go! What's up, y'all? I am Chris Chows. Welcome back to the show. This is the Fantasy Headliners Podcast. I am back joined with my man, Mr. Chris Kennedy. What's going on, buddy? What's going on is we got a lot of sports that's going on, and I absolutely love it. We have MLB is back, even though I'm not as much of a baseball fan as I used to be. We have the NBA playoffs starting, the NHL playoffs starting, the NFL draft coming up in just a week and a half or so. We got we got sports coming out the wazoo. You gotta love it, man. I mean, it's uh, this is the best time to be a sports fan because once it's all done and it's just baseball and then we're patiently waiting for the NFL season uh, to come around. But hey, you know what it is? Today is a very good day, Chris. And do you know why? Because we're recording on a Taco Tuesday on Taco Tuesday, but it is the hundredth episode of this podcast. If you can believe it, we did not celebrate 69er, but hey, you know what? 100. We got to put some props to this. Let's 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 do it. Let's set it up right, man. We like to party till the break of dawn. We like to party on our lawn. We like to party till the break of dawn. We like to party. Boom! It's 100, baby. That's I know that's lame. Whatever. <laughs> Everyone probably tuned out and be like, "Happy," but honestly, happy 100th episode to you, sir. You too, man. It's been a long, uh, a long battled road, man. We've put in a lot of hours, a lot of time. Really appreciate mm-hmm. all you guys for sticking around for 100 episodes. We do got that extra show now on Mondays as well. Kind of up the numbers a little quicker, but hey, you know what? We typically did the one uh, one show a week, and I mean, yep. Congratulations, brother. 100 is a, is a good milestone. Absolutely. And thank you to everyone that's been listening, supporting the, you know, the pod for these last couple of years. You know, Chaus and I, we've had an absolute blast, you know, recording and creating this content for everybody. So thank you for tuning in. And we felt like, you know, we, we owed this to the listeners. You know, we missed the first big milestone and that's mm. on us. We, we honestly thought about it an hour or two after we recorded. So we had to make sure that we we recognized, you know, the big 100. The big 100. You guys have been with us this whole time. It's awesome. We truly appreciate all the listenership, all the support. It means uh, it means the world to us. I mean, this is a grind. We do it every day. But I mean, hey, it's it's good fun, too. But you know what's not fun? We got to touch on it. And it's Dwayne Haskins, man. Rest in peace. Dwayne Haskins, my man, that was just horrible news on the weekend. I, I mean, I'm not going to get into, you know, the Adam Schefter thing, because that's just nothing to even talk about. But I mean, when we talk about a young man like Dwayne Haskins, OK, so much promise coming out of college and then to go out this way is so sad, man. And regardless on anybody else's opinions, rest in peace, Dwayne Haskins. Uh, prayers up to his family. Absolutely. hundred percent. I mean, you know somebody who's, you know, 25, about to turn 26 years old, you know, still had tons and tons of football and life ahead of him. So, you know, absolutely thoughts of Paris to his family. Yeah, man, gone way too soon. 24 years old is is still a kid, man. I, uh, seriously, it's a very sad day. And again, rest in peace to, to Dwayne Haskins. But moving on to football, I mean, it's not a, as important as a Haskins passing, but I mean, let's let's talk some football. Maybe we could get a little bit happy here. But reports indicating that Melvin Gordon 
Gordon is in discussions with the Baltimore Ravens. This kind of was late last week, early last week, and I don't think we discussed it on the last show. And I mean, this is an interesting get because we saw the Ravens discussing do they draft or so the question was posed, I think, to the general manager at the combine. You know, do you guys if a, if a running back uh, appears itself in the draft, will you guys go for it? And now Melvin Gordon <laughs> comes into the mix because clearly this is everyone cheering for uh, Javante Williams in Denver saying, hey, this is now going to be Javante Williams season. But at Melvin Gordon to the Ravens, I mean, do you hate it? Do you love it? Obviously, for J.K., it sucks. But I mean, for the run game overall, it's it's not bad. You got to kind of like it. I think it's fine from you know a personnel standpoint, from a fantasy perspective. Um, I don't I don't hate it, to be honest with you. I mean, I mean, actually, Melvin Gordon is going to turn 29 years old. So we recorded this on Tuesday. By the time you guys are listening to this, it will be Melvin Gordon's 29th birthday. So they sign him to what? Maybe a two, three year deal. You know, the, the production is probably going to, you know, go down a little bit from here on out. I would think, you know, he did almost rush for a thousand yards each of the last two seasons. But I do think that, you know, for him to keep going at that pace, you know, at age 30 or 31, it's going to be a little bit of a stretch. So even if he does sign with Baltimore, I don't hate it uh, because Dobbins is still young. He's going to need a year to really come back from this injury, you know, for the ACL. So if Gordon signs with him, I'm still holding on to Dobbins, to be honest with you. And if he dis- and also if he signs with Baltimore, I'm just loving all of my shares of Javante Williams. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, you know what? I, w- I, I sat and I thought about this one for a while after I read that. And I said, you know, why would Baltimore entertain something like this? And clearly they have a problem on their hands. And I get it. We all want the J.K. Dobbins show. But I mean, he's he's coming off the ACL, likely going to start on the pup, just kind of like Saquon did. And his season is not guaranteed to be anything good that we can, you know, predict at this point. Same with right. Gus Edwards, man. He's coming off the injury. So they're kind of like, you know, what do we do? We got two injured horses in our stable. You know, they could be limping in coming into the season, likely not going to get any preseason work. So then your chemistry building to get your NFL legs, your in-game legs will likely happen around the week five, six mark. So signing Gordon even to a one-year, $10 million deal, I think is them hedging their bets saying, hey, we need a veteran who can pick up the playbook very well, run the ball when we ask him, catch the ball from the backfield, be that support piece for Lamar Jackson, and then, hey, the following season, if it's not a two-year deal, then that's when we talk about J.K. coming out again. Yeah, I think, I think like you said, like a one-year deal, two-year max, you know, I'm perfectly okay with it because, you know, like you said, with uh, with Dobbins starting the year, most likely on the pup, you know, how many games is he actually going to play? How long is it going to take him before he finally, you know, gets his legs under him? So yeah, for one year thing, I'm more than okay with it. Yeah, man, I don't mind it whatsoever. I think even in Baltimore, he's still going to have, if he does go to Baltimore, let's put it this way. And JK is back off the pup and they have Edwards and it's a triple backfield. That would scare me fantasy wise. So I would say you're likely the prob- season. Yeah, right. You're probably going to get right. you're probably going to get highest value out of Gordon. I want to say within those first six weeks and then likely ship them out. Right, right. Absolutely. And I think that when you look at, you know, if we're talking about, you know, obviously with redraft, then yeah, Dobbins, you know, it might be a little bit tough because right now, I mean, his ADP in 12 team leagues, he's going mid to the end of the fourth round. And for someone coming off of this injury, that is, that's too high for me. Like if, if Dobbins happened to fall to the sixth or the seventh round, which he probably won't, 
then yeah, I would absolutely entertain picking him up. But I think there are way too many guys that are going around that same area as he is, you know, to to really kind of consider taking him. And again, it's only April. Like these these ADP numbers are going to change over the next three months. But you know, right now, I think that his 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 current spot is a bit high. Yeah, fair enough. And I mean, I think when we do actually get resolution, he would. Do you think? I think it's smart for him to actually sign now before the draft because if you're waiting. That's going to limit your options. And they draft somebody. Yeah, that's going to limit your options. Huge coming out of the draft. So I don't know why he keeps waiting and why his price tag is so high. Just sign that maybe one year, six to eight million bucks and just move on, man. You know why I bet you he's waiting so long is because he is waiting for that price tag that he that he's asking for. And the reason is because he has the numbers to back it up. I mean, age 27 ran for just under a thousand yards, nine touchdowns, age 28 just over 900 yards, eight touchdowns. So he's been able to carry a workload of over 200 carries each of the last two seasons. So it's like, you know what? I'm just, Melvin Gordon's pretty much trying to tell teams I'm like a fine wine. I just keep getting better with age. Look at that, man. That should be his slogan from now on, like a boxer going into the ring. But nevertheless, I'm reading about these bears and I get it. Okay. The off season is kind of like at the low point right now. Everyone's talking draft. We'll talk about some draft. But there are some things that are interesting topics, man. And one of them is the Chicago Bears. And here we go, man. The the report, the belief coming out of some of the Bears beat writers is that, you know, um, implement, they're implementing a complete teardown. And while we discussed this how many times and said, yes, this is what they're doing. They're tanking. They're getting rid of everybody. They got rid of $75 million of uh, cap space this season, signed a bunch of free agents that are on the mm-hmm. cheap rent deal, you know, one year deal, maybe the skill set we could debate to say average to above average in terms of NFL skill sets. But my problem is that what does this do to Justin Fields? Because he is still, he's going into year two. And this is just such a problem for his development. This is how you kill a young quarterback. And then we all start saying, oh, he was a bust when he, he likely wasn't. It's just that he was put in the worst possible situation. And this is shaping up where we could be talking about Justin Fields as the next Mitch Trubisky, especially if they're going down this path and he's not going to have a good season of growth and maturation. Well, I mean, yeah, look at what you know Justin Fields has around him right now. I mean, outside of Darnell Mooney, he it, outside of Darnell Mooney, it's looking like the New England Patriots wide receiver core with a bunch of wide receiver three and wide receiver fours. I mean, there's nobody else really outside of Mooney and Cole Komet at tight end that I would trust, you know, as a receiver. Yeah, David Montgomery, of course. But I mean, at your wide receiver position, you have Mooney, Byron Pringle, yeah, uh, Equinemia, <laughs> St. Brown, perfect, and then just a bunch of other folks. Yeah, don't isn't Bird still there, man? Are you leaving Bird out? Who I, I think or who they just signed someone else today too, or the other? Um, I think got Isaiah Coulter. <laughs> Daz, Daz Newsom. Daz Newsom. Con- yes. Would you like me to continue, with Daz. continue the list of future Pro Bowlers here? Come on, man. Give Daz some props, man. He was one of my sleepers. I still got faith in Daz. Come <laughs> on. But I, I mean, I get it. And and here's the thing: it just sucks for a guy like Justin Fields, who I truly believe could be a difference-making quarterback in this league. And again, just set up for disaster. And it's like you know, when have we really seen? Outside of, I mean, give me, give me somebody, Ryan Leaf. That, but his team was good, and so you can blame Ryan Leaf for that. Who, who was a quarterback that really was, had a lot of promise that went to a really crappy team, and then his career Marcus just Russell. Fell? 
Demarcus Russell. Look at that. Demarcus Russell. <laughs> Look at that. But was Demarcus really as good? I, I that's the question mark. He was. Good I mean, in college. with yeah, with with Jamarcus, it was just he had the cannon of an arm and you know the athletic ability. But that that's was right. Kind of kind of it. He was probably like ten years ahead of his time. If he came into this year's or this uh, type of NFL that we are today, I think Jamarcus would have been a beast. Yeah, Jamarcus was also like the prototypical player that the Raiders drafted. Like literally, just you have a strong arm, or you can run really fast. Yeah. we're going to draft you like top five. <laughs> Scouting department, what? Who runs really fast? These guys. Okay, pick them all. Yeah, but I mean, are we touching any Bears players this year? I mean, even David Montgomery. As I started looking at this roster, I'm like, I don't even know if I'm I'm digging I, it, man. It, David Montgomery might catch 80 to 90 balls this year. So it's yeah. <laughs> true. Yeah. Fair enough. Garbage time production. Fair enough. And I mean, but then does that he's been injury prone some to some degree. And I mean, inflated workload, losing contests constantly. I don't know, man. I would, I would, where, where's, where's his ADP? By, where's his ADP right, right now? now? So he's actually going one pick ahead of JK Dobbins. So it's like, you know, the, so the four guys that are getting drafted within a handful of picks of each other right now, Aaron Jones, David Montgomery, J.K. Dobbins, Zeke Elliott, all between 405 and 411. Interesting, because that's a great debate as we sit today in uh, mid-April. It's going to change after the draft. We get this. It's going to tra- change as we mm-hmm. get to the you know, fantasy draft season. But, I mean, Zeke over Montgomery, I man, that's a... That one still gives me pause. I still might actually do Zeke over Montgomery at the four. I would, I'm tempted to, but Dallas's offensive line has gotten worse. True, you know, true. What kind of Zeke are we going to be able? To, are we actually going to see? Because I feel like it's almost Jekyll and Hyde with him the last couple of years. At least with Montgomery, we know what we're going to get. I mean, hell, Aaron Jones in in Green Bay with no Devonte Adams, he might yeah. get 120. You know, so I, I guess I'll flip. I'll flip that to that one. I like how you put that because we did talk about that as soon as he uh, uh, Adams did leave that. It's gonna be the Aaron Jones show. I'm I'm all I'll I'll be all in for Aaron Jones over David Montgomery. I I just I'm I'm at the point where I like it. I like the potential of the garbage time. It's just one of those things. It's such a bad thing to want to hope for is that you're waiting mm-hmm. for them to be blown out so that they can throw a bunch of dump offs. And then if it doesn't happen then in certain weeks, you're really crying and you're like, shit, man, what am I gonna do? Like I don't know. I, Aaron Jones over Montgomery for me is a slam dunk as we sit today. And I think with Aaron Jones also, I mean, he's not a player that defenses are going to stack the box to try to stop. Right. You know, I can see that happening in Chicago where defenses are just like, you know what? We're going to stop Montgomery and we're going to make fields beat us with his arm. So what if the bears, cause they don't have a first round pick, do they? No. See, that sucks. So they can't even get on a uh, wide receiver that they really screwed themselves, man. So Hey, Matt Nagy and, uh, you know, past regime. Good job, man. You guys really did a service to the Chicago Bears fans. I feel for you guys. You're looking like uh, the Jets over there. Oh, speaking of the, the Jets really quickly, I was reading an article um, about how the Tyreek Hill wasn't the only superstar to pretty much, you know, kind of turn his nose up to the to the Jets. Yes. Really, there were multiple top free agents that just wanted absolutely nothing to do with the Jets organization. So they're, they, it's going to be, it's going to take a lot of winning games and something else to start luring these free agents towards 
I'm going to say it, East Rutherford, New Jersey. <laughs> the New Jersey Jets. And I mean, it's truth. And it's, man, it's so funny you just brought that up because I was reading that the other day too. See, one mind, people. It's one mind. <laughs> because seriously, I'm like, I, when I read that, it's like, okay, they, they offered DK the 10th overall pick to Seattle for DK. They turned it down and said, no. So that's Seattle just saying, no, we don't want to ship our player away. Fine. Tyreek right. had the had the chance to go to New York and he goes, what, what was Tyreek's comment? He was like, man, you guys think that the Jets were in play, man? Hell no. I lived in Miami. It was always South Beach. And it was like, okay, so then you talk about A.J. Brown, the potential there. No, the free agents that they were, and they were trying to uh, pony up massive dough to bring them over to New York. They all said no. So the notion around the league, after you're sitting there reading that article, it's like, you know, they're in purgatory simply because they're at one of those places, kind of like the Bills were. It's a great example because the Bills are a lot of people around the league didn't know what Josh Allen was going to be in year two. And and this is just going to be year two for Zach Wilson. He's just coming off his rookie season. So I understand the apprehension for a lot of these players say, I'm going to invest five years or four years out of my life to go to New York, play in a very hostile environment because you know how it is in New York. You suck, man, for the Jets. They're on your back, man. And they're not going to they're going to be relentless. But I mean, this tells me a lot that, you know what, if Zach Wilson is that next young prodigy that, you know, is going to be one of the better to great quarterbacks in this NFL, then that's when the free agents will start to creep up and say, hey, New York is a nice destination for my services. Yeah, and, and, and New York is a marketable place. I mean, you know, I know like LeBron James, you know, when he left Cleveland, you know, he wanted to go to Miami because he wanted to, number one, obviously, you know, win with the the big three, but also he wanted a place where he could market himself, you know, where he could really build a brand. That's also then why he went to Los Angeles to play with the Lakers. So I think a lot of these players, you know, yeah, they sure they want to win, but they want to make money and they want to build their brand mm -hmm. and they want to go someplace where they're going to be recognized. And hell, New York is a place to do it, even though you're playing in Jersey. But you also want to be part of a team that has a really good reputation. And right now, the Jets just aren't there. When have they had a good reputation? Really? I mean, Fitz Magic to the playoffs. What he did he make it to the playoffs? I think he did. Yeah, but even then, like, I mean, when have they ever had a team that's like, if you're a top free agent, you're like, yeah, I want to go play for the Jets. It's been forever, man. That's like and looking somebody dead in the eye and saying, Yeah, <laughs> I like broccoli. No, I, no, you don't. It's a lie. I like broccoli. Broccoli's good, I, man. Again, that's a lie. It's <laughs> Brussels sprouts and broccoli, man. Hook oh, my up. gosh. Oh, Hook me God. up, man. I like my vegetables. It's good for you. But it's true. And I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm racking my brain. They always get the free agent signings where the guys are like on the last legs of their, you know, their NFL career, so to speak. Like the LaDainian Tomlinson end of his career. He goes to New York. Brett Favre goes to New York. I mean, Sanchez. Okay, fine. They had a little bit of success with Sanchez with uh, Rex until the, Ryan. Until the, until the butt fumble. But yeah. Until the butt fumble. And, you know, one butt fumble and you're out of the league, man. Apparently, that's like the limit. But, I mean, Curtis Martin days. So you're talking Bill oh, Parcells. Yeah. I think I think that's Vinny probably... Testaverde. That's right. Okay, so we're going back some time. But, I mean, the Bill Parcells days, even like... Uh, I'm trying to think, man. Herm Edwards, he was okay at that time. But then they really fell off uh, off the cliff with him, too, didn't they? Yeah, I would say the Bill Parcells days were really kind of the, you know, the top tier, at least in 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 our lifetime. You know, sure. like I wasn't old enough to remember, you know, when Joe Namath went and won. So, but yeah, I think the Rex Ryan days, not Rex Ryan, but the Bill Parcells days with Curtis Martin, you know, that was the, 
I mean, that was that was when they were they were competing for you know the the division. That's right. Yeah, man. The Keyshawn Johnson, the Wayne Krebet. Man, look, I'm I'm going back. I'm dating myself a little. Wayne Krebet is one of the most underrated yes. slots. He was Wes Welker and Julian Edelman before that's Wes right. Welker and Julian Edelman. That's right. He was man. And Keyshawn was a baller in New York, man. I he started in New York. He was the first overall pick in the NFL draft, wasn't he? Did he go to? He was New York and then went to Tampa. Isn't it? Is or it vice is that, versa? I think it was New York first. I think he was the first overall pick, man. And that was, I was, I can't believe uh, a wide receiver was the first overall pick. Even Calvin wasn't number one. It's got to be. Yeah, Check he, uh, he 19, 1996. There we go. I uh, got drafted by the Jets. Yes, first round, first overall. Yeah. First overall. And when was the last time a wide receiver was first overall? Because I, I, I'm trying to rack my brain. See, the encyclopedia still works, man. There's no Alzheimer's in this brain. That's crazy. I was, I'm just looking at like the, the 1996 NFL draft and some of the guys that went after Keyshawn, you know, Johnson, you kind of forget about like Simeon Rice, Jonathan Ogden, who's a hall of famer. Yeah. Terry Glenn got drafted by the new England Patriots. Um, he was, and then some other hall of famers. Terry Glenn was a beast, but a couple other hall. This first round had three Hall of Famers with Ogden, Marvin Harrison, and Ray Lewis all in the first round. Marvin Harrison, what a 96, man. Holy crap, man. Where does time oh, go? And two more Hall of Famers, Brian Dawkins in the second round Ooh. and Terrell Owens in the third round. Look at T.O. in the third round, man, to the 49ers. What a score that was for them. Imagine getting a top five wide receiver of all time in the third round. Yeah, man. It doesn't mm. happen often, but hey, it seems like, you know, some scouting departments, they they tend to overlook guys for uh, numerous reasons, and the Headliner U does not do that because we, uh, we scout everybody pretty thorough. And fun fact about uh, a running back that was drafted in the 96 NFL draft. He had the same name as one of the more, one of the most dominant NBA centers of all time drafted by the Miami Dolphins, Mr. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That's right, man. He was a running back, wasn't he? He had, he actually changed his first name, changed the spelling to K-A-R-I-M. That's so right. that there wasn't any sort of like, Confusion. You know, disagreement between he and the NBA career. <laughs> Nobody would have confused the two because they were polar no. opposites of each other when it came to talent and skill. My goodness. Yeah. But that was wow, a, that was a going back. class. We're going back in time. I love it, man, because, you know, talking football is great, regardless of what you're talking about. But yeah, man, those were the days for the Jets. But you know what? We keep on saying it. You know, right now, Jets fans, you're in that weird point, And I get it. And I've been there, man. And I've, I've paid my dues as well as a Bills fan. Uh, Chris doesn't really know what that's like yet. Uh, he's had too much success over the last 20 years to kind of, you know, spoon feed him with the silver spoon in his mouth at this point. But I mean, Jets fans, be patient because I, I like your process. And, and I'm telling you all, when I see a process that it's starting to move on the uptrend, it, it's got to continue, though. This is the problem. If, if the, the coaching staff and um, uh, Robert Salad does not continue the path in the uptrend with LaFleur on this offense, building the young Zach Wilson, get another running back, get another wide receiver, build that youth movement, start stacking that defense. I think that's going to be even more important. You give Zach Wilson, uh, uh, I want to say, like, what, man, three more possessions a game just because of turnovers, three and outs. I think you're going to see that maturation process really explode and go forward in year two around the week 
I want to say halfway point, like week seven, eight, nine is kind of your judgment. If you're a Jets fan on Zach Wilson this year to say, where has his progression gone from rookie year to about halfway point? And then you're going to start to see your answers. And if it's building in the right way, the snowball effect will start to take place. And then your team will start getting better. Yeah, because when you look at the team that they have right now, you know, love Elijah Moore. You know, you have Corey Davis, Denzel Mims. I really would like to see him progress a bit more. You know, tight end, they went ahead and signed uh, CJ Uzoma from oh. Cincinnati. Uh, running back, I know a lot of people don't think Michael Carter is a three down back, and that's fine. You know, they went ahead and they signed Tevin Coleman. So they have the right pieces on offense. Their offensive line, at least the left side of their line, is great with Makai Becton and Elijah Vera Tucker. Yes. Con- Connor McGovern isn't a terrible center. I think if they can shore up that right side of the line, though, it's going to be even, they'll have, they'll have one of the best offensive lines in football. Hundred percent, and I, that's why I think if they stay at four, there's a potential that they can go offensive tackle or definitely offensive tackle, fill up that right yeah. side, and then on the pick number ten, you you can go defense, and then in the second round, now you're you're filling out your your playmakers on offense with running backs and wide receivers. That's what I would do if I was Jets. Even if you had an opportunity, say Thibodeau falls to the Jets at what four? They're number four, right? Yeah. Yeah, so at number four, they go Thibodeau and then say Kyle Hamilton falls to them at 10. I would take both in a heartbeat. I wouldn't even look at tackle. I wouldn't even, right? Instantly now, CJ Mosley, you still got that young kid on the line that can rush the passer. That's now a formidable young defense that you can actually start making plays with. And you're going to see a quick turnaround with a very good draft. And so far, the Jets have been doing, you know, in the B pluses, I want to say, with their draft classes. I'm telling you, a lot of the mocks that I've been seeing and kind of just looking at where players may go, I think Hamilton absolutely could would, will still be there at 10 for them. I agreed. It's going to be like Derwin James. Derwin fell. Nobody thought Derwin was going to fall to what, 17 to the Chargers or 16 to the Chargers. And he fell because of safety. Do you really use that amount of draft capital on a safety anymore? No, because we see, look at, look at Tyron Matthew, the, the chiefs completely let him go. He said he would have signed with the chiefs, the same deal that Reed took and they let a all mm-hmm. pro go out the door. Like this is, this is how safety play is not coveted in the NFL anymore. And it's crazy. Oh, it's absolutely crazy. And it's, I mean, it, it works out well for the teams that are able to get that value because you know, they see the potential in these players and they're able to shore up a need that they have immediately. And if I'm the Jets, a couple of things I'm doing here, you know, you have, so I'm looking at their, uh, you know, their, their draft picks right now. And it looks like they've got, uh, they have the number four. And then it looks like they also have the number 17th overall, not the 10th. Did they trade? No, they have the 10th. They got okay. And I was, okay. My apology. I'm looking at something different then. I'm looking at second round. It looks like they have what the 35th and the 38th overall. Something like they that. They have two picks. Yeah. So what I would do then is I would take those two second round picks, package them together, move back into the first round mm. and grab one of these, one of one of these top quarterbacks to help shore up that secondary. If you're also able to get Hamilton. I do. I like that a lot, man. If you, if you come back to get a third first round pick, I think that's actually super glorious. I think it's the Jets, man. You guys just be patient. Patience is going to be your virtue. And then pray that Zach Wilson turns into the stud you want him to be. And the Jets could be, you know, a challenge for our Buffalo Bills and uh, New England Patriots, man. Yeah, but no, you're right. They've got 410 and then they have 35 and 38. Those four picks in the first two rounds 
you know, you go ahead and you get your pat, your edge rusher. Then at 10, you can get Hamilton package 35 and 38 together, move back into the first round, maybe get a first and a fourth or something like that. And then get your, you know, get that top cornerback that you need. Good Lord. Even if they stay in the second round at what, 35 and 38 or 32 and 38, like you literally could still get yourself potentially a Drake London, Jahan Dotson to be a wide receiver, go get a running back like Kenny Walker yep. or Brees Hall. And you're starting to round things out. And I'm almost becoming a Jets fan on paper because that looks glorious. Absolutely. I mean, that that would get Jets fans excited. That would be a, the building blocks to a team that could, will start competing, especially in a division that just keeps getting better and better. And by, you know, teams getting better and better. I mean, more like the bills, the jets and the dolphins because the Patriots just want to be stagnant right now. So yes. And we want to leave you guys there because it's good stuff, but moving to the Kansas city chiefs. I mean, I want to talk about them really quick because now that they lost Tyreek Hill, they haven't really added any wide receiver talent. Pringle's gone fine. You know, he was, he anything special? Not really, but eh, he right. was serviceable for what they did in that offense from time to time. But no Tyreek now. How does this offense move? Because we're of the opinion, and I want to say we're probably in agreement that McCole Hardman is not going to re replicate what Tyreek Hill did. At least that's how I feel today. Can he change my mind with good play? Sure. But I don't think he's ever going to turn into Tyreek. So how does this offense now? And just say, okay, they're at pick. They got two picks at the end of the first round. Late picks. And what are they, like 28-30 or 28-29? They're back to back, whatever they are, but they could still snag themselves. Like I said, a Jahan Dotson, potentially if another speedy, uh, like if Jamison Williams falls there, they'll likely snag him. But will they have him this year? Probably not to full end degree. How do they change this up? Because everybody in the AFC got better and they seemingly got worse, man. They did. I mean, they're they're one of these teams that was, you know, and I, they are still one of the favorites, obviously, because if the Chiefs, they have Patrick Mahomes. Sure. But yeah, if you you need to try to replace, and then you're not, I'm sorry, not you're not going to replace Tyreek Hill, but you do need another offensive weapon because what they currently have right now in Juju Smith-Schuster, Nicole Hardman, and Marquez Valdez-Scaling is not going to, it's not going to cut it. Josh Gordon, yes, he's on the team, but let's not, we're not going to go there because the poor man has broken my heart way too many times. Yes, he has. So. And Juju's not a number one. Like he's not that alpha receiver. So right now they don't, their, their alpha receiver is Travis Kelsey. All right. That's their main guy. So I do think they need to go out to get themselves a true number one receiver. And are they going to be able to do that with picks 29 and 30? I think so. I think there's going to be a, a wide receiver left where they can, you know, use one of those two picks to get that guy that they need. And then they can use their other, you know, first round pick or one of their two second round picks that they have and try to, you know, either shore up the offensive line a little bit more or go after defense. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think they need a cornerback. They need a wide receiver. And we could see both snagged at that point. I mean, outside of that, you know, more D line uh, rushing presence. But what do you think that what do you think Mahomes is going to do for fantasy? I'm uh, that's kind of my thought process right now is. He was usually the first or second quarterback taken off the board. I don't think you can really justify that value anymore. No, I think I think right now, I mean, Josh Allen is most likely going to be the first quarterback taken off the board and and for good reason, you know? I mean, yeah, Mahomes can scramble, but he doesn't scramble the way that Josh Allen does. You know, he does it's not really he he does it if he has to. Like Josh Allen will actually have more design runs than what we might see from from Patrick Mahomes. 
and Mahomes last year, you know, remember we were, we talked about it a lot mm. was, you know, how inconsistent he was and how he just wasn't the same Mahomes that we were used to seeing. And it took him the second half of the year to really kind of step it up. He, now he did still finish as the top five fantasy quarterback last year, but that's because he really turned things on, you know, uh, what after, I don't know, after like week 10, maybe something because, like that. Yeah. Because yeah, weeks one through weeks one through nine, you know, there were a handful of games where he had 20 or more points, but it was a lot of interceptions. It was a lot of turnovers. It just wasn't the, the Patrick Mahomes that we were used to seeing because through the first eight weeks of the season, he had like nine or 10 interceptions, which was very uncharacteristic for him. So it's just what, what Mahomes are we going to see, especially without that dynamic weapon in Tyreek Hill? Yeah, 100%. And, the, and we did talk about it a lot because in the inconsistencies, we talked about you know the interception rates going up simply because the year before he was leading, he was one of the leaders in the league of uh, near interceptions, near misses, because he always throwing, you know, matrix style and going into the tightest of windows, but those interceptions were being dropped. So you almost put like the luck of the Irish on him in that uh, yeah. respect, right? Like the, the passes that should have been picked two years ago weren't. And last year it kind of caught up with him a little bit, but then as the year started going on, he started seeing that fortune come back a little bit and the horseshoe came back up his butt and he was you know tossing those same throws and they weren't getting picked off and then which led to their success but like you're saying now without Tyreek Hill you don't necessarily have the you know trusted speedy commodity where somebody like a Miko Hardman he's speedy as hell but is he as consistent hand wise we've seen him fumble the ball we've seen him drop the ball will he be I think you know Tyreek is more put together uh, uh, on the upper body than McColl is so he's able to oh, you yeah. know take a little bit more punishment I don't know if McColl has it in him, man. And if if they're, I don't know, but do they trade up and try to snag themselves one of the top receivers in this class? Like, what if a Traylon Burks goes there and he's a big, fast, body wide receiver? I mean, if if Burks falls into the twenties, I mean, the Chiefs are only nine, eight picks away. They could easily trade up with someone like the Steelers. I would want to think. Oh, absolutely. I think that you know, with where they have that twenty ninth and thirtieth pick, they can easily move up into. You know, even the late teens, if they wanted to, they could move up to get the guy that they really want to get. Gonna be interesting for KC. What's interesting is OBJ. Interested teams, man. Several teams are interested, but I'm like, in my head, I'm like, really? Why? I mean, he's coming off the late ACL. What is this man really gonna? And no disrespect to OBJ, I think he played, you know, lights out with the Rams and uh, mm -hmm. potentially what is it a reunion with the Rams going back? Obviously Rob Bobby trees no longer there. And I mean, it's, it's a uh, Cooper cup and uh, Allen Robinson show, but I mean, I think that's the likeliest of scenarios. He goes for another cheap one-year deal, rehabs, you know, plays maybe one game, two games in the regular season, and hope for a playoff run in another Super Bowl. Like that's how I see his season going. And if that's the case, then I think you do. You just you you rekindle that relationship with the Rams, you know, because when you come back, you don't need to be the number one option. You know, obviously they have Cup, they signed Allen Robinson. You know, you can be that number three, you know, even maybe number four option with Van Jefferson there. So, you know, have a chance to win another ring, you know, play in the Super Bowl, the, hopefully the whole game and really kind of just fulfill that that dream that you have. So if I'm him, I think the Rams are probably the best bet um, unless 
unless he wants to maybe try to, you know, go with Tampa, you know, play with Tom Brady, like he wanted to do when Brady was with New England right. and see what he can do there. Um, but I do think going with a team that has a legitimate chance of winning a Super Bowl is the best route for him because he is going to start playing in the regular season so late. And it's going to take him a while to get accustomed to a new offense if he doesn't go back to the Los Angeles Rams. It's just unfortunate that it happened when it did for the guy. I just wanted to touch base because I'm like several teams. Who is several teams? They didn't specify. And it just got me thinking the light bulb kind of, you know, flicked on him being like, who else would mm -hmm. really pay for him outside what like what's he really gonna fetch on the open market five million bucks maybe which is fine with me i mean for for his services that you could get with him at the end of the season i'd be more than happy to be like one year five million or even you know a couple million with a ton of incentives sure yeah incentivize the contract and bring what about what about your bills would you take them for five million for a year yeah it's a tough one because what am what am I really gonna get out of OBJ? And I get it, man. What when did he tear it? He tore it in the in the playoffs, right? It was Super Bowl. In the Super Bowl. Yeah, he tore it in the Super Bowl. So you're talking that's what February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, December, man. Like you're literally that's ten yeah, but months. The way that the way that players are coming back and rehabbing from from the ACL, I, how quickly as they're doing it, you know? Yeah, I get it, but I mean, it's he's not a young buck anymore. He's like 28. I think he could, I think OBJ could come back. I would say he'd be back by Thanksgiving. Wow. Okay. So if that, you know what, I'll buy you beer if that happens, because I do not see it happening. I don't know, man. Maybe they have some new technology where they just, you know, shoot up your knee and it grows back by itself, you know, magically. I'm telling you that if that's the case, I need that for like my shin. Me too. So. I need, I got, I got broken pieces all over my body already, man. It's time to fix it up. But speaking of broken, we got Matt Ryan and okay. I've, I've haven't been shy of my support of Matt Ryan. I'm a Matt Ryan fan, not to the point where I'm going to sit are. here and, and tell you that, you know, I'm, I got man crush on the guy. Cause I don't, but I mean, I, I still like his game, but NFL executives are saying that age has caught up on the man. And it's hard to argue after what we saw last season, but I still got hope in this man. Like I had the hope with Phillip Rivers when he went to the Colts. And it's almost like the Colts are just recycling these old quarterbacks, you know, bleeding them dry with the whatever le they have left in the tank. And I mean, for me, if the Colts do get a wide receiver assistance on this team to help the cause, you know, add, we've talked about, you know, Michael Pittman being by himself, you know, we're talking about is Paris Campbell ever going to be a thing, potentially Naheem Hines going to the slot and taking some more targets. We've talked about this over and over again, this off season, but now with Matt Ryan on the, on the team, I mean, if they give him another wide receiver, it's not out of the question for me to believe that he is still a 4,000 yard passer 25 touchdown passes especially with jt taking a lot of pressure off i was literally just gonna say he can still get you four thousand yards passing 25 touchdowns <laughs> One like, yeah. is he gonna make his mistakes of course he's going to but i mean i mean hell if carson wentz can throw for 3500 yards and 27 touchdowns matt ryan can absolutely throw for 4025 and the you gotta love the fact of the division he's playing and the defenses are not as good Okay, so I mean, outside of Tennessee, but even then they got holes that they can be exploited upon. The Jaguars are there. The Texans are there. I mean, those eight games alone, he could throw for a lot of good yardage. And Houston is a dome. You know, Jacksonville's nice, warm weather. They're at home in a dome. There's a lot of good potential. here. I was going to I was going to say between Jacksonville and the Texans. 
Matt Ryan might throw for 4,000 yards and 25 <laughs> touchdowns just in those four games alone. <laughs> That's just how it's going to go for Matty Ice, man. I like it, but I don't know. Quick sidebar, because I, I still I still got some, you know, soft spot for Mr. Matty Ice. But let's talk some draft news, man, because we're seeing a lot of stuff. I mean, we've been breaking down a lot of players over there on a headliner. You, if you guys don't know, go over there, check it out. We got a nice giveaway for a Jamison Williams Jersey signed Jersey. Go check it out. Watch the video. You will see how to enter, but nevertheless, Jacksonville, man, the, the news reports are Ooh. flowing around that they are potentially taking Travion Walker as the first pick over Hutch and, and Thibodeau is not even basically in the conversation anymore. You seeing this shit? Cause I'm like, that is crazy talk. If you're if you're taking Walker over Hutch at this point, I mean, I like Walker. Don't get me wrong. I think he definitely could be a top five pick and be definitely worth it. But number one overall, man, he's been picking up some damn steam. I mean, if you're if you're thinking about taking him number one, why not just trade down? Exactly, because their phone's not ringing. They want too much. That, see, and that's the lower your expectations because I mean, right now when you look at a lot of different. Um, you know, if you're looking at like a bunch of different mocks, Walker's like barely cracking the top 10 in a lot of these mock drafts right now. I know he's just been picking up steam the last few days. His pro day was really strong. So they're like, you know, does he actually, but again, mm-hmm. it's, it's lying season. We got to say this. Maybe they're just throwing the flyer out there to try to say, Hey, you know, we're for sale. Come and pay for number one. But see, this is what happens when you don't have a franchise quarterback that you want at number one. And I mean, and especially when you're thinking about taking him and you have all of these other, you know, defensive linemen that you could choose from, right. you know, especially with, you know, Thibodeau going, uh, you know, obviously with, uh, with Hutchinson, Hutchinson, who I think should be the number one overall pick. So if either of those guys, if neither one of them are your guys, don't pull a draft day, you know, don't do, you know, <laughs> Vontae number no no matter what no 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 yeah you you trade back you lower your asking price you trade back you get the guy that you want and then you can get another guy that you want later on you know in the second round and you have another probably another first round pick next year yeah I agree I they're gonna have to definitely lower expectations if they want to go move down but there's nobody really haggling to go and get yourself a top quarterback like I said but I mean Walker at number one that's that's the stuff that you don't really recover from, even if he is a good player. I mean, I the value just isn't there. Hutch and Thibodeau, Thibodeau, fine. I can even see, you know, him dropping down simply because a lot of people don't believe in the frame and think that he's going to be bullied by big, uh, you know, offensive linemen in the NFL. I completely understand where Hutch is that grown ass man where he's going to be given the punishment. So for me, I'm with you. I think Hutch is your top guy. And, and just don't look back. Jacksonville, don't do stupid things, man. Like, this is what gets you in the, in the bad books. Could you imagine Hutch and Allen, Josh Allen on that defensive line? That's glorious stuff. Oh, all right. Let me ask you this draft question. Would you prefer Walker or Thibodeau? It's, it's a great one because I've been flirting with it back and forth. I really have. And I think... I think the consistency is going to be in Walker. I do. I think that he has got so much talent that, you know, you're going to notice him on the field a lot. And you're going to say, that's Walker again. That's Walker again, where it's Tibby. I think, you know, you're going to see the sprinkles. He's going to be like, holy shit. Did he just make that play? And then he goes silent. And then holy shit. Did he just make that play? Then he goes silent. Kind of like a Jadavion Clowney almost. Thumbs, yeah, very, very much. So you're going to notice him from time to time. He's going to make the big splash play. But then do you want the consistent Uber consistent guy who's, you know, in on every run play in on every quarterback hurry? You know, that's kind of what I feel Walker is going to give you. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I ask just because I think when it comes down to the fourth pick with the Jets, I think it's going to come down to, you know, one of these top three edge rushers of what they're going to have to do, or do they go ahead and they, you know, take one of the top offensive tackles, whether it's Neil Iquanu uh, or Charles Cross. Yeah. And I, I think if Neil and Iquanu are there, you, you definitely got to pull that trigger. And then now you got your bookends for life for this young man throwing the ball. So it's a great one, but moving to Detroit, man, the lions, apparently um, you see which uh, coach Campbell, he's talking Mr. Kneecap biter. He's talking, you don't need an elite franchise quarterback to win in this league. And I get it. I've, we've been there and it's just because, you know, recency bias always clouds judgment to say, you know, you need a franchise elite uh, thrower to do damage not saying that Jared Goff is your guy, but they're interested right now in Sam Howell and Malik Willis. That's the buzz around the league. Again, lying season. I don't mind Sam Howell to Detroit whatsoever. No, I don't mind at all. I know that there has been a lot of buzz of potentially Malik Willis to Detroit at number two, especially after his pro day. Um, I think it's just going to be a matter of where you have Goff for another few years. I think Willis might be the better option just because it gives it gives the Lions a year or two to really develop Willis. Whereas Sam Howell, if you take him at number two, I feel like you would have to put him in from day one because he is so much more of a pro-ready quarterback than any other one in this class. Yeah, fair enough. And I mean, even if he does learn behind Goff for like five games and Goff is struggling, you can easily throw Howell in and, you know, see what you got. But it's an interesting aspect. And Detroit is kind of that wild card that's going to really mess up a lot of teams' draft boards, I feel. If they don't trade back and they stay at two, and if they don't take a defensive lineman or maybe a defensive back, I don't see them doing a defensive back. It's got to be the edge rushing presence because they can't get after the quarterback to save their life these past few years. They're really going to be the wild card that screws everybody up and says, what do you do, a.k.a. draft day? Yeah, I think with I think with Detroit, I think you pass on the quarterback at number two, unless you want to trade back, you know, and then go for, you know, a Sam Howell or somebody if you want to. But I think edge rusher is kind of the way to go. You take the best available, you know, whether you want to take Walker, Thibodeau, Hutchinson, whoever's available, you get that defensive stud that's going to be your franchise guy. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm right there with that. But here, why is KV on Thibodeau poised for a draft a slide? I am. And again, I kind of answered my own question saying, you know, a lot of people don't believe in the physicality, but he is put together. And I, I just I think it's crazy, man. It, he cannot be another Dion Jordan. Please tell me he's not, because mm-hmm. I think that's the fear a lot of people have. Or, I mean, if you're or if you're the Lions, another Ziggy Ansah, you oh, know, somebody exactly. who had all this potential and just didn't really produce. But you know what? Maybe Thibodeau is going to be like the Gregory Rousseau, someone that we thought had a lot of potential, was going to take a while to develop, and then boom, just immediate impact rookie year. Yeah, and it's very possible. I mean, I was down on Russo too. You know this. I wasn't. Yeah. I was at draft day when we drafted him. I was like, yeah, it's fine, but I didn't like the pick. I was like, nah. Now I'm like, hey, I'll eat my words when I I am wrong because I was definitely wrong on Gregory Russo. He, uh, the coaching staff, and everybody said, you know, we can't. We, can we put him on the bench? That was the topic going into week one, and then none of the coaching staff could say he's got to go on the bench. He ha- he has to play. That's how good he was progressing, but. Let's play a little bit of a game here as well on, you know, draft games. Who is going to be the first or who should be the first quarterback taken off the board and who will be the first quarterback taken off the board? I got my my answers. So wait, sorry. Who Um, should be and who will be? Oh, 
Um, who should be Sam Howell. Okay. Who who will be Malik Willis. <laughs> I'm right there with you. I got the exact same two, man. So for wide receivers, who should be and who will be taken in the draft first? Um, well, you already know who I think who should be, and that's going to be my boy, Drake London. Okay. I think whoa, he should whoa, be. Whoa. Yeah, I think he should Bold. be the first wide receiver taken off the board. Bold. Who will be? I'm going Jameson Williams. I think Jameson Williams wow. is going is going to be the first receiver off the board. I think he goes before Garrett Wilson, before Trey Burks. Do you work with PFF by chance? Because you're turning into a hot take artist. Yeah, but I actually nope 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 not nope not nope. nope. I almost Next question, please. Got, I almost Next got question, it. please. No comment is where he's going with that. That was a harsh one. I apologize. But I got, you know, who should be at wide receiver, Traylon Burks, in my opinion. I think he should be. I, I don't hate it. The first guy off the board because the talent is there and it's just about landing spot. But who will likely be, in my opinion, I think Garrett Wilson is the first one off the board. I think his talent is very strong. Calvin Ridley-esque type of wide receiver. I was going to say, I think, I think it's going to be between Jameson Williams, Traylon Burks, Garrett Wilson, like London, like there, there are three or four guys that could all make an argument to go number one. And I can still make the argument that Olave should be the first one off the board easily. So, I mean, these guys are all very, very good running backs who should be taken first and who will be taken first. Brees Hall and Brees Hall. Seriously. You had back to back Brees Hall. Okay, okay, fine. I'm I think saying. I think I think he I think he should be number one. The only other other running back I can see being taken over him is is Kenny Walker. That's how I got it. I got who who should be. It's probably Brees. Who could be taken off is Kenny. I think Kenny could surprise a lot of people, and a lot of people will fall in love with his game. And you know, a lot of people will be surprised at him being Kenny being first off the board. I shall not be. What about defensive back? Because this defensive back draft is extremely deep. Who should be the first one taken off the board, and who will be taken off the board first? I'm going. So I'm going to go same, same, same. Stingley and Stingley. Ooh, I'm going. Sauce going to be should be the first, and I think who will be is Stingley. Yeah, I, and I know Stingley with the injury history, but I think I think that's just. That's my boy. That's that's the golden child right the, there. <laughs> <laughs> the gold standard golden child, man. Stingley, that Liz Frank looked good on his pro day, man. He was running clean. He did. So I'm, I'm okay with it, too. He's If you guys don't know, man, the athletic ability of Stingley is like something we haven't seen at a defensive back in God, man. I, I, I mean, I don't want to disrespect Dion, but it's going back to like Dion. Yeah, but I mean, he might be one of the most exciting um Defensive back prospects that we've seen, not not since Dion, but I would say maybe since Jalen Ramsey. Sure. Yeah, it's fair. You I know? mean, but I'm talking like, you know, the electric, athletic, you know, playmaking style. It's like you, you talk about primetime when you, I mean, is he ever going to be primetime? Likely not. There's only one prime, but I mean, it, he's, he's getting in that conversation for me. But I mean, let's play another game. And this is fun because games are awesome and it makes my pants wet. Let's talk about who is the best player in the NFL today per position, because I love this argument, especially when we're in April, because there's so many varying opinions. You can't be wrong, really. We're talking about the, the, who we think the best or who our, 
our favorites is in each position. The best. Thinking who's the okay. best as of today. Knowing what okay. we know today, you know, trajectory, however you want to build it. You know, wherever the trajectory is moving for these players, what they did last season, who's the best quarterback in the NFL? Let's just start with the meat and potatoes, baby. All right, let's go. As of today, who's the best quarterback? You know who it is. Say his name. Say his name. Can we move to a different position? Say his damn name. His name is Joshua Allen. Yes, it is Josh Allen, and I'm. And I'll so tell you, I'll tell, I'll tell you why. And it wasn't, it wasn't because of the the absolutely throttling that he gave to my New England Patriots, yeah, yeah. Um, in the playoffs, but just the the decision making that he has improved upon over the last few years, the way that he the throws that he can make. I mean, rolling out to his right and throwing completely across his body to the left without losing any velocity or any accuracy. That was really a part of his game that he just was, he was missing. You know, it wasn't the improvisation, but it was the accuracy and making throws that nobody else can really make other than maybe Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers five, seven years ago. You know, what Josh Allen is able to do now is unlike anything else that we're able to see right now in the NFL. Do you remember it was year three against San Francisco on Monday Night Football? So my thought process was on Josh Allen, and you know it very well. We've had these conversations for a long time, and I said, let the man progress, guys. I said, you know, we, he's got a lot of work to do. Year one came, the progression, I was like, yeah, it's not so bad. Year two, I said, he is moving in the right direction. Year three, Monday Night Football against San Francisco. He turned the corner in that game, in my opinion. A lot of people don't realize this. The throws he made in that contest were exactly like he made, you know, versus New England, versus uh, Kansas mm -hmm. City in that playoff game. Do you remember that one that just went right over uh, Fred Warner's fingertips? The tightest mm. of windows to Gabriel Davis going on that slant route. I remember like it was yesterday. That was the day I knew. I was like, holy shit, man. The Buffalo Bills have themselves a gem. I said it to everybody, and I got torched by so many circles being like, you're a Bills homer. You're crazy, blah, blah, blah. And I said, listen, I'm, I'm taking my Bills homership out of this. I'm, I'm literally watching the player progress right before my eyes. And even like going into like middle of last season, I said Josh Allen is a top three quarterback. I still got eaten alive by everybody. And today is a good day because we can collectively sit here and say Josh Allen is the best quarterback in the NFL right now. And I don't care if anyone is still bashing him like, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. It's like, no, no, you're just like, yes, I could have understood if people after last season, after 2020, people like, oh, well, you know, it was one year wonder. Let's see what he does next year. Well, you know what? He followed it up. So, like, just deal with it. Get over deal, it. He's, deal with he's it. He's the best quarterback in the NFL. He is. I've, I, I've accepted it. You need to as well. Yes. And if a Patriot fan accepts it, you know it's good. Running back. Who's the best running back in this NFL today? I mean, how do you not go with Jonathan Taylor? Thank you. I mean, what he's doing, not only obviously as a rusher, but he's improved in the passing game. I mean, the guy can do it all. You know, his vision has, we were starting to, we now finally, it took him, halfway through his rookie year to really see the vision, you know, that he had back in college and, you know, that agility, the juking, the, the sidesteps, everything that he did in college, it took him a while for the game to kind of slow down for him. Maybe after like week six, week seven, you know, his rookie season. Yep. And then he just absolutely took off. And his last five, six games of his rookie season was just un unbelievable. And it just continued into his sophomore year last year.
Yeah, I can't argue anything you said because we did question it at the beginning. We're like, why is he running into that back of the old line like Mark Sanchez? Like, find the hole, bro. Like, and then all of a sudden it just clicked. He found it. And then, you know, yeah. we are we are here where we are today. But I'm with you. JT is the top running back in the league right now. Wide receiver. This is an interesting one because there's a lot of a lot of great players, man. But I got one that I still think is the best as of today. Yeah, same here. I I I mean, until somebody else does it, I'm keeping Devontae Adams at number one. Ooh. Ooh, I mean, I can't hate it, but ooh. and it, it's tough because I mean, his route running his his receiving ability. Yes. Can he do it without Aaron Rodgers? That's going to be a big question. But I mean, the guy's game from top to bottom is just so sound. The only other person that I probably could have put, you know, right next to him would have been Cooper Cup. But I think with Devontae Adams, I think he is still that one oh one guy. OK, and I got a different guy completely. And that's Justin Jefferson. I think that he has. Mm. He has elevated his game now. Jamar Chase is right on his heels, but we need to we need to see just a little bit more. Devontae, yes, I will agree. He's just a freak of nature. He is one of these guys that'll come to an offense and absolutely change everything for a quarterback. But what JJ does to me is that he commands the field in every manner. It doesn't matter where you put him out there, he's gonna make a play. And if you're not throwing him the ball, that's your mistake. And, and Kirk Cousins learned that very well. So as long as you're yeah. feeding this man the ball, he's putting up big numbers for you regardless. I think JJ is the best receiver in the league. Tight end, man. This one's a tricky one. I kind of cave. Um, yeah, it's not tricky for me because I'm going to go with the best overall tight end in the league. And for... All right. Let me let me preface this right, <laughs> first of all. Because as, as I'm saying... It's not that tricky, like, he says, right? <laughs> The best overall tight end in the league receiving and blocking is George Kittle. And in my opinion, it's not even close. All right. If we're going for best tight end receiving just in, in an overall, offensive aspect no, overall, of the, oh, overall, then overall. I'm going I'm to say George Kittle. The only other person I would put is one B would be Mark Andrews, to be honest with you. Okay. Yeah. I'm not putting, I'm not putting Kelsey there just because I think that he really just is that receiving tight end. You know, I don't blocking. Meh, okay. George Kittle is the best overall tight end in the NFL. See, and I had Kelsey up there for years simply because he's a difference maker. And even if he doesn't block, it, it depends on how much of a difference maker. So that's kind of where I see it. If in the aggregate, mm. you are, you know, that much more valuable offensively than you are as a blocker. If, if it's more value for you to make plays, I'll, I'll negate your blocking, poor blocking ability. But I've come around full circle. I'm on the George Kittle bandwagon as the top tight end in the league right now because, I mean, it's hard to say that after what we saw from what Kelsey did. I mean, he seemed to have fallen off a lot of more drops. You know, he looked a little bit slower last year. Maybe he was dealing with injuries, but I didn't like it. I think the decline could be there for Travis. And I mean, that's sad to say because he's a baller. But yeah, I got Kittle too. Perfect. Defensive line, buddy. Who is the top defensive lineman? in the league Aaron Donald <laughs> simple it's agreed <laughs> you know, we don't even need to debate it, it's that's it. yeah that's it we're, we're done Mike drop and we're out man what about linebacker oh god there's a lot of good ones man I know and it's tough but I've I gotta say TJ Watt I mean the guy can Ooh. do everything because he he can be a linebacker he can play on the defensive line you know four three three four I don't care what it is He's going to make a play and he's still so young that he's got, you know, so many years ahead of him. It's TJ Watt for me. Oh man. So maybe I should have said edge rusher. Cause he's kind of an edge rusher. 
That's fair. But you also, you said defensive line. And you said linebacker. Okay, fine, fair enough. You can you can hold that. I'm good with it. I'll go Fred Warner, man. I Fred Warner to me is what oh, you look. Yeah, for. yeah. You know, and I mean, I don't hate your TJ Watt. I think he's freaking phenomenal. Obviously, 20 sacks plus record, almost breaking NFL season. But Fred Warner to me is when I look at a middle linebacker. And this this game is now kind of like falling off the rails because I should have specified. No, this, this is a good game. This is okay, a good game. Fair enough. And and for me to have the prototypical middle linebacker, Patrick Willis, you know, Ray Lewis, guys that can really change the be the quarterback, so to speak, on the defensive side where, you know, man, they're taking away half that field just with their ability. And that gives that defense such an uplift to do so many different things. Scheme your blitzes, you know, your coverage packages when you're doing man and zone together, you know, uh, confusing, you know, press breaks. Like I, I love a solid linebacker. So right now, Fred Warner, to me, it sucked when he went down with that injury, but he he got paid and he deserved every ounce of it because he's one of the best in the league right now. Yeah. If we were going to say edge rusher, I was going to say Miles Garrett. Okay. Miles Garrett. Yeah. You can't so, hate it. Edge yeah. rusher for me. I, you know what? They're changing him his position, Mika Parsons. So I think he's going to, but he's, he's not the best. I was going to say he's not the best, but, but, I, but going, going, looking forward into the future, you know, like five yeah. years from now. Sure. I think Micah Parsons absolutely is going to be right up there. I mean, whether you want to pick, you know, Parsons or, or Garrett or Nick Bosa, you know, any of those guys. Yeah. Garrett to me is definitely one of the top dogs in this league at yeah. that position too. But I, we're, we're, I didn't break it down per each individual position, Chris. Like, come on, I'm trying to have some fun here. You had to make it so technical. Are we can talk about cornerbacks yet. <laughs> Let's go DB man. Who's, who's your top DB. All right. So we're going to, I'm going to say cornerback. Cause I've got corner, a different person corner. for, for we safety. Got, we got safety. Yeah. Yeah. I got safety. Yeah. Um, so for corner, it's, it's kind of one A, one B, but I've got to I've got to go Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, it's Ramsey. I mean, it's it, it was it was he it was he or Alexander to me for me. So okay, yeah, I love me some Jari, but you know who I got? It, it, a lot of people will disagree with me, but Xavier Howard. If it's not Ramsey, Xavier oh. Howard to me is that okay. he's that dog and, and people don't view him that way. He is so good at coverage, press zone, man, anything this man can do. He's like an island upon himself and Miami. You should be smiling from ear to ear that he signed that contract extension with y'all because he to me, if it wasn't for Ramsey, I would have no problem putting him as my number one in the league. That's how I so how you view. Uh, Howard, that's kind of how I see somebody like Marlon Humphrey over, mm. you know, over in Baltimore. Like, absolutely love every aspect of his game. But I think for me, number one overall, yeah, it's Ramsey. It's Ramsey. Yeah, we got, we can't argue that right now. For safeties, what are we saying? Because this is kind of a muddled zone right now. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there are a few different, a few guys that I could go for safety here. But for me personally, it's down to two players. Me too. And I've got it. I know I can only pick one. But it's Derwin James. It's hard the to guy argue. can do everything. I mean, he can he can you know play in the zone. He can come down into the box. He can tackle. He can blitz. He can do a little bit of everything. The only other person that I was going to pick that I think would be right there is Buda Baker from Arizona, and that's who I got as my number one. Yeah. I I would put Derwin in there. It's the injuries. You know, you gotta you gotta weigh everything. And Derwin, man, I'm the biggest Derwin fan too. I think he's absolutely unbelievable. When he's on the field, mm -hmm. it's game over, lights out. But Buda Baker is that game changer. Oh. Just everything he does on the field, you see him, you notice him every single game. But you know who's creeping up on those heels too? Little Jesse Bates from Cincinnati. He is one Dude. of these guys. 
that you guys I love right love Jesse Bates. You guys got to pay attention, man, because Jesse Bates is one of these guys He's going to make a name for himself in these next coming years, especially how Cincinnati's ascending. He's been a very good prospect for for quite a few years already. So and you know who's creeping up on Jesse Bates is Minka Fitzpatrick. He's the other guy that I'm looking at. Absolutely. Fitzpatrick is definitely there, too, man. But God, there's some good players. It's tough. I love the game, though, but. And they're all like under the age of 25, 26 years old. Like this is going to be a great next eight years of football that we get to watch. It's uh, it's unbelievable. And this draft this year is so deep. Like you're going to see, you know, they're everyone's, you know, not excited. You see a lot of people, they're not excited for this draft. I'm like, get excited, man, because, you know, just because the flash isn't there, you're going to get yourself anywhere from like six to 12 year starters in this draft that are going to be, you know, viable playmakers on the field, man, just because they don't have the, you know, fancy dash flash. You don't need right. the dash and flash all the time. Damn. Get over it. You're going to get all the all the dash and flash in the 2023 draft, right? So just there enjoy what we have this year. Exactly. See? But that was fun, man. I, I like playing games. Like, you know, takes me back to my youth. Is there a reason why we decided to keep out kickers and punters? Or <laughs> they don't matter. <laughs> Sorry, kickers and punters. You guys, you know, I love you. You, you te- know, I love you, you some you, young ho. You tell that to my weekly rankings. All right. <laughs> I just think people would have been like tuning out. So I just left it. I'm like, you know, whatever it is, what it is. Nope. It was a good game. I enjoyed it. But that is Mr. 100th episode for y'all. Once again, thank you for all the support. We truly appreciate it. It's been a wonderful Mm -hmm. ride so far and hopefully it continues to be a wonderful ride. So we'll close this one out, man. So on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in to all the listeners. Thank you for all the support. And until next time, stay safe and be kind to each other. I'm out.